Welcome to the Gigabyte Weekly Podcast. This week's episode is on potentially the biggest financial scam or fraud in history. I say potentially because this bubble has yet to burst. Of course, we were talking about the USDT and more specifically the tether crisis that is pending. Hope you enjoy. And of course, I'm joined yet again by James, as per usual. James, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me on the podcast again, Sam. Really great to be doing this again. So, yeah, well, like I said, we're going to be talking about tether. You know, we're going to keep to our, our normal format. We'll keep it nice, short, but this this one is, this is a bit different to the other ones. You know, I think there's a lot more to this. This is, uh, this is quite an important topic to talk about. So, James, talk us through, what is tether? So, basically, tether is what's known as a stable coin. So tether, the price of Tether doesn't fluctuate or shouldn't fluctuate away from $1, which is why it's called USDT, so United States Dollar Tether. And basically the whole point is that these stable coins provide liquidity to the markets. So it's a way of keeping your kind of your portfolio safe while still staying in crypto. So you're never actually transitioning back to fees. So why would anyone choose a stable coin over like a normal dollar? It's just so that you can be within the crypto kind of community, the crypto world. You can store it on exchanges. Um, it's, it, it is, I mean, it's decentralized still. Obviously, it, they operate very differently to regular cryptos, but, you know, you're still operating on the blockchain. So you can kind of have your dollars tokenized to a certain degree. That's the whole mission behind Tether. But if... You know, you say it's decentralized. Now, this is just a bit of a tangent before we get on to the real meat and the bones of everything. You know, is it? it's less centralized than a central bank like the US dollar, right? That that is just central bank currency. But is it still not pretty centralized because it's coming from a company? No, it is. It's, it's a different type of decentralized. So obviously, transactions are still public on the blockchain. So if I send you Tether, we can track it on Etherscan because I think Tether is built upon Ethereum. Um you know, the wallet addresses have no ID attached to them. So they're, de they're decentralized in that aspect, but no, there's a, con there's a company that controls and has the power to influence the price of Tether. And I think that's the perfect transition to go into the actual problems and why I made the claim in the intro that this is potentially one of the biggest cases of financial fraud in the history of the financial markets. And, you know, cryptos, like we said before, it it's, it's, it's not... It's not shy from uh, from scams and fraud, but this this scale is something else. So, James, do you want to quickly talk us through some of the basics? So, you were saying before that a stablecoin should be backed by, you know, a US dollar stablecoin, like the USDT, should be backed by a normal dollar, you know, because that's the point of it. What's happening with Tether? So, really what happened with Tether was they initially claimed that every Tether was backed by a dollar. So, it was one-to-one. -one. You could sell your Tether back to the company Tether in return for legit dollars. Vice versa, you could sell your dollars to Tether and receive the equal amount of Tether back. However, kind of the company has been known to be very secretive and they have never actually full-on published their kind of holdings. And also, just to note as well, sorry to cut you off there, they also have less than 10 employees for their company, which would mean per employee, they are the richest private company, I think actually the richest company of all time. Yeah, no, exactly. I think the market cap for Tether right now is $62 billion. So, I mean, for 10 people, you're looking at $6.2 billion per employee, which is just ridiculous. And there's way too, way too much control. Anyway, yeah, so the problem with Tether is that they claimed that everything was backed. And in reality, in in the most basic sense, it's not. And 
it's not that a little bit of tether is backed. It's like virtually no tethers have ever been really backed by the dollar. So initially when tether had a market cap of around 400 million, they were able to maintain kind of this backing, but tether has 62 billion in circulating supply now. So if, if you were to look into tether's bank account and see 62 billion dollars, you're looking at one of the most liquid companies on earth and in history. Yeah, I mean, like they would be by far the richest private company in history, I, I would say it's 62 billion. That is crazy money. And that is after crashes and all the rest in recent times. You know, it, 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 when the market goes up, it's it, it's something else. It's, what is it, the third biggest? Yeah, Tether's the third biggest after um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's crazy. And also another thing, like the, the, the relevance of this is everyone remembers right when, you know, the crypto market's still very young. So people have been around for a while in it. And people know that previously Tether was supposedly backed on their website a number of years ago. It actually said that it is a 100% guarantee that it is one-to-one -one backed. If you go onto the Tether website now, it no longer says that. And that hasn't really been publicly made. It hasn't been pushed out there, you know. So people still believe that Tether is backed one-to-one -one by the dollar. So that is very dangerous because what that means is Tether is the first private company. Actually... Tether is the first company in the history of the world to have access to their own printing m machine. They can print money. They can provide liquidity to markets that isn't real because people think it is, they think their, their USDT is equal to a USD. You know, they think that every Tether that they have is a dollar. And that's problematic because what that, what that ends up doing is, you know, Tether will get their USDT onto exchanges and that'll be pushed into projects like Bitcoin. And what that does is it artificially pumps the price of Bitcoin to a, a level that it wouldn't normally be. And just to continue on with kind of the problems there you mentioned, Sam, we haven't even delved into the whole Bitfinex connection yet. So what is Bitfinex and what is that connection? Then? So Bitfinex is the biggest Bitcoin exchange in the world. So obviously there are bigger exchanges, but in terms of pure liquidity in the Bitcoin market, Bitfinex is the biggest exchange. So what they do is they literally offer buying and selling to investors and they're a centralized exchange they're a centralized exchange so really where this leads on to is that tether claimed to never be affiliated with bitfinex at all as they should be you know a company shouldn't have access to a printing machine so what really happened was in the background the board of directors at bitfinex joined the board of tether like sort of connecting the two companies together and still they kept on denying kept on denying and then eventually which we're going to talk about more the paradise papers leaked which showed that the board of directors on tether so what are the paradise papers then you know uh, is that something to do with like they were just leaks were they yeah no, so the paradise papers were a huge number of documents that leaked I, I believe it was from one of the tax havens i think in the caribbean or the cayman islands and so, you know, everyone remembers that David Cameron, the former, former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, had all his offshore accounts leaked. But actually, one of the companies that was, were exposed was Tether. And what it did was it showed that Tether and Bitfinex not only were working together, but actually had the same board of directors. The founders were on personal terms together. You know, the connection was so strong. And it was only after these papers leaked that the founder of Tether went onto a podcast, actually, and said, yes... We are basically the same company, but we're completely separate entities, kind of within the umbrella of the, the holding company of Bitfinex and Tether. I believe what they said in that interview or that podcast was that they bank with the same bank, 
which is just you know they may be spitting in your face it's it's quite a it's 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 something else you know so then what that means is bitfinex not only do tether the company that issued the usdt you know this uh, this stable coin for the us dollar not only do tether have access to a printing machine that people will exchange for dollars real money they can get as much money as they want they press that button they print but also the biggest bitcoin exchange in the world has equal access to it and what that means is and that's what we've seen if you look at a chart that every time the tether printing machine is activated every time they're printing more and more the price of bitcoin is directly correlated with that so there's a massive increase the more increased supply of tether and what that means is the gains that we see in bitcoin are artificially pumped by this fake money this is not real and that that leads to huge problems james yeah exactly and just to give all our listeners kind of a real understanding the biggest trading pair in crypto is bitcoin tether so i mean if the biggest pair was to go bust you know you're looking at a long long recovery period like unbelievably long recovery period but yeah so the, the main question is are bitfinex using the tether money printer to buy bitcoin are they purchasing huge quantities of bitcoin to pump the price up yeah and i mean i think this is why people are calling for regulation so things like this can't happen because in an unregulated financial market as big as crypto is now like you kind of think things like this like it isn't technically like they're getting away with this right now and of course this bubble will pop it like it i'm not to say that crypto is a bubble but this is being artificially pumped. So when this pops, it is going to be devastating. All the gains you've seen, you know, Jim, this is obviously pure speculation. It's maybe just a bit of fun. But where do you see the market going if this tether pops, say the SEC or the Fed come in and say, this is wrong. You can't print your own money. You, this is all fraudulent. Where will the prices go? You know, if tether was to go bust and if that money machine was to stop printing, I think we could see a a long long bear market possibly taking bitcoin back to between five and ten k you know and what is it now just for reference it's about thirty two thousand dollars right now yeah so that that's quite a dramatic drop and i think like you said the long bear market that would follow that i think we're seeing a long long bear market for that you know i think this could potentially delegitimize everything that crypto is all all the progress that has been made in the crypto markets in the recent years legitimized by big ceos big companies that could potentially be wiped out by this. And just to, to give another reference, if the prices were to drop that low, it would invalidate the Bitcoin halving cycle and it would also invalidate the stock to flow ratio. And what does that mean? Just to explain to people. Basically the bear market. So obviously it's in our blog. If, if you guys want to like learn more about it, the, the Bitcoin halving event creates two years of bullish activity and two years of either flat or bearish activity. But the flat bearish activity should never drop below the previous bull market high. So the previous bull market high is 19k. If Bitcoin drops back to between 5 and 10k, we're invalidating the stock to flow ratio and we're also invalidating the halving cycle. And what are the repercussions of that? Why would it be bad to invalidate that? Well, it's just that, say, if the prices were to go that low, the real issue is miners might leave the, the kind of the network. And once miners leave, it removes liquidity, it removes security. You know, the hash rate would plummet. Uh, the hash rate and the price are directly correlated. So the actual state of Bitcoin as a network as a as a current as a everything you know everything that we know what it is now is reliant on the price in some regard yeah it's reliant on miners who only care about the price 
So then you kind of see why this tether situation, anything that can impact the price of Bitcoin this much can literally destroy it. And not only that, but obviously the worst part of it is the, the human the human side of things, you know, retail investors, you know, just your plumbers, your, your painters, these normal individuals, not just the millionaires, will lose money on this and they will lose a lot of money. Um, so then how have authorities been intervening? You know, what is the situation regarding audits? Surely something of this size would have to be audited. Yeah, so the basic kind of rule of thumb in crypto is every crypto project has at least two audits to show investors that they're a legitimate company and they have what they say they have and they do what they say they do. And obviously, you know, most projects with the team backing them have done this. However, as you can imagine, Tether being the third largest coin should have had probably, you know, audits every bull market for sure to show that they have the money they're, they're claiming to have. But, but Tether have never actually had one single audit. The one audit that they did request, halfway through, they actually pulled it because they genuinely said the auditor went into too much detail. For record, that is specifically what audits are. They have to go into detail. And what Tether had said was they wanted excruciating detail. That is literally by definition the point of what the audit is for. It's trying to get the ins and outs of the company to prove legitimacy. And it's not a good sign if during this audit they say, no, go away. You're looking for too much detail off us. And so just to further on with that, they have done something which is called an add to station, which is a really brief, what they say, kind of peek into the accounts. And the whole story goes with this is that Tether were banking with a bank known as Noble Bank. And obviously that was the same bank as Bitfinex. And they requested the audit, sorry, the add to transfer to take place on the 15th of September, 20, uh, 2017. And then when the Paradise Papers leaked, what we saw was on the 14th of September, the account was created. And on the 14th of September, Bitfinex wired $382 million into the account, showing that Tether had roughly the 400 million that they should have had given the size of Tether at the time. But nobody knew this until around 2019 when the New York State Attorney kind of published their, their investigation into Tether. So what happened was Tether didn't actually have any backing really at the beginning as well. They had a very quick kind of transfer and made it seem like they had it all. So they just blatantly lied. And that is, you know, if that's just one of the biggest examples of why this is just straight up fraud. And it, they, they're getting away with it. So I think it's a good time to move on then. We've kind of talked about the downfall and the price crash and stuff. And just before we move on there, Sam, just to let everybody know as well, the price of Bitcoin fell 50% two weeks prior to this ad station, leading many people to think that Bitfinex sold a huge amount of their um, Bitcoin to fund this account because you forget that this money came from Bitfinex. And, and that Bitcoin that they had, that they, they likely sold, was probably also being artificially pumped by Tether as well. Exactly, yeah. So it, it's all just a vicious cycle and it's, it's, it's disgusting, to be honest. Like it, it, they, the fact that they're getting away with this is crazy. It is just fraud. And, and like we said, like the, the downfall of, of Tether will be the downfall of crypto markets as we know it. And you're looking at a four plus year recovery for something like that, the way this will fall, as James said, five to 10K, you know, you're really, Bitcoin's in a hard spot if it's going to that level. Uh, I think you'd be in a bit of trouble. Um, yeah, so we kind of just wanted to give a bit of an overview 
on everything that was going on with Tether because, you know, not only is it a very interesting topic for just listeners in general, but also as a warning to crypto investors, you know, we have a vested interest in, in, in crypto doing well, of course, that, that should always be stated, but it, it's, it would be dishonest to not share this information and we think it is so important. And uh, let me know what you think. You can, you can tweet us and let us know if you think that this is, we, if we're right with the title in saying that this is potentially one of the biggest cases of financial fraud in history. And Sam, just before we kind of wrap this podcast up, there's just one more thing that it's pretty important to talk about is the current banking state of Bitfinex and Tether. So Noble Bank kind of turned off the corporate accounts for Bitcoin, for um, Bitfinex and Tether. So they were left with no corporate accounts. So they quickly moved over to a bank known as Crypto Capital, who were very shady. They, but they have actually been caught money laundering for the Colombian drug, for a Colombian drug cartel in the past. And what basically happened was Crypto Capital were offering banking services to illegal escort companies in the US who were then caught. Subsequently, a massive investigation went on with Crypto Capital resulting in the accounts of Tether and Bitfinex being investigated by the New York State Attorney. Um, kind of what happened was that Bitfinex had an account with $850 million frozen, which was their client account. So it means that they couldn't meet withdrawal requirements. And then what happened was Bitfinex was on the verge of going bankrupt, much like every big exchange beforehand. So Mt. Gox went bankrupt, all of them went bankrupt. And what happened was basically a few days before they were about to declare bankruptcy, Tether gave them a sudden loan of $400 million. Yeah, so you can, like, it's, I, I don't have words for it. It's crazy. And also, it's also worth, before we finish things up as well, the Tether doesn't equal all stable coins. You know, there are stable coins outside of, we, we talked about USDT in this one because that's the most prominent, it's by far the biggest. And all that means is it's basically, it's just Tether's version of the dollar that they can print, but they also have Euro, they have Yen, they have every currency for it. But there are other stable coins that aren't doing this. I believe a coin called USDC, which is just USD coin, US dollar coin, uh, that got audited recently. And you, I think that's in partnership with who? Uh, well, it's by it's it was created by a company called Circle, who are they their whole business model is to create these kind of safe stable coins. I believe they're an affiliate. They're affiliated with Visa or something. With Visa, yeah, they partnered with Visa to. Um, I think it was kind of, actually, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what the partnership entails, but they are partnered with Visa. Which I mean, that does add a bit of credibility, and and they just had a successful audit, and they were given the thumbs up. So it kind of shows not all stable coins are by Tether, first of all, for people that don't know, but also not all stable coins are bad. You know, Binance have their own one, of course. Binance has their have their own issues, of course. But USDT and Tether, especially, this is a warning. You should probably avoid it uh, because it is it's going to likely bite you in the ass. You should avoid Bitfinex as well, entirely. So I think that's a good point to, to leave things out. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'll leave it to James for the outro. Thank you everybody for listening to this podcast again. So this, this is our third podcast. So, you know, one of many to come and one of many more kind of interesting topics like this to come as well. If you liked what you heard, please check out our website, gigabyteinvestment.com, where a lot of this is kind of mentioned in blogs where they go into a lot more detail. You can find our blog on our website, on our LinkedIn, um, on our Twitter at Gigabyte Invest. And yeah. Catch you next week.